Years of Confinement by Lawrence Conquest. The tiger paces back and forth, its movements restricted by the length of its cage. It moves ten steps to the left, then without breaking stride, twists and turns its body back upon itself. Ten steps to the right, and the movement is repeated. The tiger describes a sinuous orange and black wave, forever in motion. Most of the watching public seem oblivious to its discomfort. They gawp and stare at the beast, marvel at its nature, then swiftly move on, their attention claimed by the other inhabitants of the zoo. Among the ever-flowing ebb and tide, only one man remains still, his eyes never leaving the tiger. He sits alone on a wooden bench, his eccentric dress ensuring his solitude. He shares nothing in common with the herd that surround him, and everything with the beast in the cage. Well, old friend, he says, fixing the tiger with his eye. It seems as though we're both stuck. I wonder, how am I going to get out of this one? Elizabeth Shaw could hear the sound of raised voices approaching the laboratory, arguing. They were at it again. The doctor burst into the room, his red-lined cape billowing behind him like some extravagant giant moth. Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart followed in his wake, his face set in an angry scowl. May I remind you, Doctor, that you are a unit employee, and as such you will do as you are told. Liz winced. The doctor and the brigadier had a tempestuous relationship at the best of times, but at the moment they always seemed to be at each other's throats. Need I remind you that I'm here on sufferance only, brigadier, the doctor replied, and I certainly do not take orders from you. The brigadier glanced at the antique police box that stood incongruously in one corner of the laboratory. A tangle of wires trailed from between its open doors, like the entrails of some mechanical beast. This TARDIS of yours, I take it you're no nearer to actually fixing it. The doctor picked up a small metal object from the nearest workbench and started turning it over in his hands. One or two interesting leads, perhaps, but no. If you really must know, Brigadier, I'm at something of an impasse, momentarily. Liz here is busy calibrating a few readings for me. But until that time, you're effectively at a loose end, the Brigadier cut in. So for goodness sake, man, why can't you do as I ask? Just one afternoon away from this place won't do you any harm. There must be somewhere you can go when you normally disappear to on your days off anyway. The doctor rubbed his chin thoughtfully. Well, now you mention it, there is one place that might just be suitable. The brigadier told me where to find you, but I wasn't quite sure that I believed him. The doctor turned his head slowly, as if emerging from a daydream. Oh, hello, Liz. Sorry, I didn't notice you arrive. I was... In a world of my own just now. Well, you certainly looked it, Liz said. Have you been sitting here all day? Most of it, the doctor admitted. I wouldn't have thought the zoo was your sort of thing, she laughed. I come here a lot, he replied testily. 
it helps put certain things in perspective. Liz opened her mouth to reply, but a woman's scream cut her short. As she turned to look, several members of the nearby public began to shout too, their mingled cries of distress and alarm cutting through the air. Liz tried to locate the source of the disturbance. It seemed to be centered on the enclosure directly opposite them. Through a cluster of panicking people, she could make out the shape of a tiger in a cage. A tiger and something else. Good grief. The doctor jumped to his feet and raced past her. Within ten strides, he was at the base of the cage. Without pausing for breath, he flung himself at the iron bars and began to climb. By the time Liz reached the cage, the doctor was already hanging 25 feet above her in the air. He swung his legs over the top of the open-topped pen and began to descend inside. Doctor, please be careful, cried Liz. Never mind me, the doctor replied. Just find a keeper and quickly. Nearing the bottom, the doctor relaxed his grip and dropped lightly into the cage. Then slowly, he turned to face the beast within. The tiger was nearly eight feet long its powerful muscles bulging beneath its orange and black coat. This close to the animal, its scent was overpowering, a cloying stench of sweat and meat. Kneeling in front of the tiger was a young boy, his small frame dwarfed by the creature before him. His right arm was stretched out towards the tiger, but the doctor was unable to see his hand. The reason was simple and terrible. The boy's hand was buried deep in the tiger's mouth. Listen to me, said the doctor. His voice was barely a whisper, but its tone of authority was impossible to ignore. Whatever you do, you mustn't panic. The animal will sense your fear. I'm, I'm sorry. Help me. Please, whispered the boy. Don't worry, answered the doctor. I will. Just stay right where you are. Stay very, very still, and I'll come to you. The doctor began to inch his way forwards, his open hands held out in front of him, as if by doing so he could somehow assure the animal of his good intentions. As he neared the tiger, he became aware of its growl low-pitched rumble that increased in intensity with every step he took. Hmm. This could be a problem. Tell me, the doctor said, your hand, is it hurt? Has the tiger actually drawn blood? No, no, the boy gasped in reply. I don't think so. It, it's just holding me tight. The closer you get, the harder it fights. The doctor instantly stopped moving. There was the sudden sound of approaching footsteps, and Liz rushed to the side of the pen. Doctor! She called breathlessly through the bars. It's all right. I've brought help. The doctor glanced over his shoulder to see a trio of zookeepers. One had unlocked the cage's iron door. He held it open as the other keepers stepped inside. Each was armed with a long rifle. Out of the way, sir. Called one keeper. You've done your best. We'll get the lad free. Violence. The doctor spat with contempt. The typical human response to any stressful situation. Well, gentlemen, there'll be no need for guns today. Please, sir. The boy said, tears now streaming down his face. I didn't 
seen it. I only wanted to touch him. And all the other animals were fine. The doctor stroked his chin thoughtfully. Well, this is a fine state of affairs, isn't it, young man? A veritable pickle, you might say. The problem as I see it is this. I can't get any closer to you without alarming the tiger. And I'm certainly not about to let these men kill this magnificent creature just because of your foolish actions. No. On reflection, I think the only answer is this. I'm not going to save you at all. You're just going to have to save yourself. What? Sobbed the boy. Listen to me, said the doctor. This pen is at least 25 feet high, and I don't think you climbed your way over. No, you must have had another way in, and I can only think of one possible way. So, in order to break free of the tiger, all you need to do is repeat what you did in the first place. The boy just stared dumbly at the tiger. That object you have grasped in your right hand, the doctor continued. No, I can't see it, but I know that it must be there. Turn the dial on it hard to the left. Do it now. Liz and the keepers gasped in surprise as the boy faded away to nothingness, the tiger's jaws snapping shut upon empty air. The doctor sprinted out of the cage and the keeper slammed the door shut behind him. But the boy, asked the keeper, where's the boy? Why, gentlemen, I think you'll find he's right here. The air beside the doctor fizzed and popped. Then the child reappeared in the same impossible way he had vanished. Now, the doctor dressed him sternly. My property, if you've quite finished with it, the boy opened his clenched fist and dropped a small metal object into the doctor's open palm. Liz moved forward. But doctor, isn't that... Yes, Liz, completed the doctor. Part of the TARDIS's dematerialization circuit. Still a work in progress and a terribly dangerous toy. I can only assume that our young friend here must have pickpocketed me. I'm sorry. Really, I am, cried the boy. When I found what it could do, I, I just couldn't stop. The first few cages were fun. I could walk right through the bars, right up to the animals, touch them, stroke them, and walk back out again. But the tiger was different. I'll bet it was, said Liz, appalled. Anyway, we can all be grateful that you're safe and well. You're a very lucky young man. Now, where are your parents? The boy looked confused. What parents, miss? <laughs> They're in Aberdeen. Well, who's looking after you then? She asked. The doctor coughed and began to rub the back of his neck, a shamed expression stealing over his face. Well, actually, Liz, um, I am. Back at unit headquarters, the brigadier was livid. Really, Doctor? All 
All I asked was for you to look after my godson for one afternoon. First you made a huge scene, then you nearly got him killed. Oh, come on, Brigadier. I hardly think I can be blamed for that. The doctor managed to hold the Brigadier's stare for at least five seconds before he was forced to look away. Well, I mean, it wasn't entirely my fault. Well, perhaps slightly. Oh, all right, I admit. I, I should have kept a closer eye on Albert. But how was I to know what he was getting up to? I don't have much experience of babysitting, you know. The brigadier silently counted to ten, trying not to lose his temper completely. Eventually, he continued in a calmer tone. You're right, of course, Doctor. I shouldn't have entrusted Albert to you. He was my responsibility. But do you want to know why I gave Albert into your care? Why I didn't just ask any one of my men to look after him for the day? It was for your benefit. You spent every waking moment cooped up in that lab of yours, trying to repair your TARDIS. I wanted to give you a glimpse of what this planet you're so keen to leave is all about. People. People like Albert. They're what we are here to protect. The Doctor said nothing. You're a brilliant man, Doctor, continued the Brigadier. I don't mind admitting that, but... For all your brilliance, you could do with learning a little bit of humanity now and again. Finally, the doctor met the brigadier's gaze. Tell me, Alistair, if you considered me to be an employee, a member of unit, can I claim some expenses? The brigadier snorted. <laughs> Don't worry, doctor. If money is all that matters to you, I'll see that you're well rewarded. The doctor looked genuinely surprised. Oh, the money itself is meaningless, Brigadier. It's what you do with it that counts. Several weeks later, the doctor excuses himself from the laboratory and is gone for the whole day. After hours exploring Unit HQ, Elizabeth Shaw remembers the zoo. She finds him there as the light begins to fade, in the same place as before, opposite the tiger's enclosure. The doctor is silent. He seems sad and withdrawn. Elizabeth sits next to him, and together they watch the tiger for a while. You tried your best, doctor, she tells him. Anyone can see that. Thanks to the doctor's generous donation, the tiger's enclosure has been transformed. Gone are the cramped confines of the old cage. In its place is a large area of grass, encircled by a moat and fence. There are concrete rocks to climb and a cave where the tiger can hide from prying eyes. And yet still, the tiger paces back and forth, its movements restricted to the length of a now imaginary cell. Ten steps to the left. Then, without breaking stride, the animal twists its body back upon itself. Ten steps to the right, and the motion is repeated. I suppose I did, Liz, replies the doctor. But it seems that, unfortunately, I was just a little too late. It's sad that the tiger can't appreciate what you've done. Isn't there anything you can do? asks Liz. 
I'm afraid the poor animal's mind has broken under the stress of captivity, replies the doctor. He pauses, then adds, I must ensure the same thing never happens to me. What exactly do you mean, doctor? One day, he replies, the TARDIS will be repaired. One day I shall regain the power to travel in time and space. When that moment comes, when my own walls of confinement have been removed, I must ensure that I'm not merely content to repace the steps of my own cell. The doctor turns to Elizabeth and offers a smile, but she cannot tell how much of what he says next is serious or in jest. After all, the Earth may be a nice place to visit once in a while, but I can't imagine ever getting seriously attached to the place. <laughs> Can you? The doctor stands and offers an outstretched hand to Elizabeth Shaw. She takes it, and together they leave. Watching them, the tiger paces on. <laughs>